You are listening to the IMN podcast produced by the Boise Nampa Institute of Religion. We've asked members of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints to share how their lives have been blessed by living the gospel of Jesus Christ. To the Savior's request, come follow me, they have all responded, I am in. Today's speaker, Heather Hessing Rackham, was quoted saying, I remember standing on a hot, dusty hiking trail at girls' camp when I was 14 years old and having the profound impression that I got to decide whether I was going to be miserable or not. It was so empowering. Many years later, as a certified life coach, Heather Rackham is the host of the Latter-day Life Coaches Podcast and director of Latter-day Saint Life Coach Directory, LDSLifeCoaches.com. That 14-year-old girl had no idea she would get to spend much of her life helping others find the coaches and tools to empower themselves in the same way, choosing who you want to be on purpose. This is Michelle Burke, and you are listening to the I Am In podcast, produced by the Boise Nampa Institute. I am excited to be here with you guys today. This is a phase that my husband and I are entering with our kids. There, we have our two oldest are in college, and I just am always love to be connected with with this age group, and I'm, I'm grateful for this opportunity. So, a few years back, we were. Um, it was a high water year and our family went rafting and we were on a multi-day rafting trip down Hell's Canyon. <clears throat> One of my favorite things on a river trip is to lay in my tent at night and be, it's, the air is cold, but I'm snuggled up into my sleeping bag and, and I love waking up in the morning in that spot, the serenity of the warmth that I feel, but the crisp air, the water that I can feel here flowing past me down the river, um, being close to people that I love. It's one of my favorite things. But what I love about it also is that I use those moments to read and to ponder, and I use those moments to connect with my Heavenly Father and to connect with myself. And that particular morning, this particular morning as we were on this Hell's Canyon trip, I was reading in my scriptures in First Nephi chapter 20, verse 18, and I read... Peace is as a river, and that's not the exact phrase, but that's how I interpreted it, peace like a river. It felt like a little gift of heaven to me because I was in this place that is so peaceful for me. It was like one of my favorite places to be, and I was being reminded that, yeah, peace, this is peace. This is, this is peace, and in my mind, I knew that because I was experiencing that. But like all things have to come to an end. And it was time for me to climb out of my sleeping bag and get things packed up on a multi-day river trip. You, um, you're, un you're packing your stuff up every morning and you're loading it and strapping it down on your boats. And then you're, you go on adventure during the day and then you unload and you do it all over again every night. And that day we um, had quite an adventure. So now remember that I had just read Peace is like a river, and we probably had the most chaotic day that I have ever had on the river that day. We, it was a high water year, which means the water is flowing fast, and there's not a whole lot of time for recovery. It's hard to get to an eddy, which is kind of like the, 
the slow sides where the water is kind of going the opposite direction. It's usually where you can kind of recover if you need to. If anybody's fallen out of a boat, you can usually grab onto them in those spots because you're kind of still for a minute. But because the water was so high, their eddies were really not there and the water was moving fast. So we were in front anticipating that as we went through this particular rapid, there might be somebody that fell out and we would be the rescuers of those people that if that happened. And in this moment, as we, we made through the rapid and we looked behind us to see um, a family member's boat flipped over and people all over in the water and we knew we didn't have a whole lot of time before the next rapid. So we were trying to gather everybody, but it was fast moving and it quickly became very chaotic. So we were trying to, I, my husband Lance, who was, was guiding our boat and he's trying to get to the eddy and there was throw bags is what you throw to people who are in the water to pull them back in. And people had thrown throw bags from all different boats to all the different people and the ropes were wrapped around the oars and it was really chaotic. And there was a gear that we were trying to get and I just remember looking around and thinking, this is really not peaceful, but, but here we are. And before I knew it, I was in the front of the boat holding an, a paddle and I started rowing myself just to try to help us get to the eddy, which was fast leaving us the side. And we knew that we needed to get everybody in before we turned this bend. And, and I found myself praying out loud, Heavenly Father, help us get to that eddy. Heavenly Father, help us get to that eddy. And I didn't think anything of it. We finally did get to the eddy. And one of our friends said, hey, how about that preacher lady who was praying out loud over here the whole time? And I kind of laughed. And, and um, anyway, everybody was fine. We were safe. And then as I laid in bed that night and I re thought about my scripture reading in the morning, Pieces as a River, I thought that was the most chaotic day I've had. Would I still explain peace as a river. And I would, because the peace that I felt was exactly the same way as, um, I mean, I felt that peace because I had brought Heavenly Father into the story. I had brought the Savior into my story that day. And, and I realized that, um, when we do bring them into our story, no matter what chaos might be happening around us, no matter um, the fears or anything that's going on, when they are involved in our story, peace is readily available to us and peace can be like a river. So I have often thought about that experience in my life and tried to recall those feelings of peace and know that I can bring them in when I want to by inviting them into my story. So part of, cute little faces out in the hall, sorry. Um, as I was reflecting upon what I was asked to speak on today, which was um, how the Savior, how I brought the gospel in to help me in my life, both personally and professionally, but I was also asked to share with you my story. So I want to tell you a little bit about my story. It isn't too exciting, but it is my story. Um, so my story begins, um, my story will be about a young girl who learned from a very young age 
about the plan of happiness and the knowledge of eternal families. I learned and had a strong conviction about um, the fact that, and, and had a lot of comfort in knowing that we could see family members who we lose again. Um, and God has made that possible. Not only did I have heavenly parents who taught me, um, not, not only did I have heavenly parents, um, but I had been taught about a Savior who touched my life. And I, I, know, a, I know, we know our Savior, right? We know our Heavenly Father as um, beings that we have hope and we have faith in. But I also had a brother who I had physically got to hold and love and feed and care for who had passed away. And I quickly learned that, yes, I have a Savior who I want to return and live with. I, I don't physically know him, but I have a, phys a brother, an earthly brother who I physically held, and I had had that experience of tangibly holding him that gave me this connection to something that I wanted to have again eternally. And I very much um, found peace in knowing that we could be together as a family again and had so much gratitude always in my Savior for making that possible. That is part of my story. My story is also about a teenager, and he read that in my introduction today, who at girls' camp was walking a short, dusty trail at Pine Top. If for those of you who have ever camped at Pine Top, know there's a lot of dust there, and it can be really hot. And camp, um, complaints were running rampant on this particular hike at girls' camp, and it was pretty miserable. But I remember standing on this particular trail and having the impression that I got to choose whether this was miserable or whether this was enjoyable. Um, as an adult looking back, I can see now that at the time I really didn't know how to put words to that. Like I got to choose, what did that actually mean? And as an adult, I recognize that to put that into words, it would be said like this. It wasn't, um, it had nothing to do with the dust and the heat and the complaints that was gonna make me happy or miserable, right? It had everything to do with what I chose to think about the dust and the heat and the complaints that were going on around me. That is where I got to make my choice. I got to choose what I think about the things that are happening in my life. And that is our gift of agency. And I have learned that agency isn't always, we think of it often as the things that we choose, like the actions that we take in our life. But I have learned that agency starts much more before the actions that we take in our life. Agency starts with the things that we choose to think. And when we use our agency in powerful ways, our actions change because we're thinking things differently. My story is also about a young adult who thought it was extremely unfair that I had to make life decisions that were like of eternal significance when I had such little life experience. So I'm talking specifically about the choice to whom I was going to marry. I had a mission call and I was preparing to go serve a mission and I had a good friend who is sitting in the audience today. We were friends and the closer it got to me leaving on a mission, it was kind of like I didn't know if I wanted to leave this friendship, this relationship. And as I prayed and sought guidance from my heavenly father, I received an answer and <laughs> I, 
I didn't really like this answer. And my husband knows this is true. Like I was like, I'm getting ready to go on a mission. I don't know that I want to stay home. Um, and it was very actually terrifying for me to make this change in what I thought my life was going to look like. So part of my story is about a person, a young girl, a 21-year-old young adult who learned that we can get answers to our prayers and, and know what Heavenly Father wants us to do, but that doesn't mean that we're going to be void of fear. That doesn't mean that fear is not going to be part of our story. Sometimes we get confused and we think that when we are um, doing the things that Heavenly Father wants us to do, then we aren't going to be afraid. And so when we feel the fear, we think, well, I must be doing something wrong. And that's not true. Heavenly Father never speaks to us through fear. And as an adult, I wish that looking back at that experience, I wished I would have known that because what I did at the time was I was terrified to make these eternal choices. And I interpreted the, that fear as I must not be making the right choice. But then Heavenly Father would be like, remember, I gave you this confirmation. And then I'd be like, oh yeah. And then I would get out in the world and then it would be like the fear of it would come back again. And I realize now that that's just how our brains work. Our brains are just kind of wired to look for danger. And so anytime we experience something that feels uncomfortable, like making a shift in our lives, we are going to, our brain is going to think it's protecting us by telling us you should be afraid. And that's not true. It's actually our brains are working exactly how they're supposed to. We get to acknowledge, yep, I feel afraid. Doesn't mean anything's gone wrong and we can move on. That is part of my story that I learned that fear doesn't mean stop. It took me a long time to learn that story. It started as a young person. Um, and many years later, I learned how to put that into words that, yeah, fear doesn't mean stop. It just means I'm human and we're all going to feel fear. The end of that story is that, yes, I decided not to go on my mission the day of my farewell. They just tore my part of the program off, handed out the announcements, and Lance, who is here today, and I got engaged two weeks later, and it was the best decision that I ever made. Lance and I have four kids, and I feel so blessed. My story is about a mom, a young mom with four children, who felt very fulfilled in being a mom. It was all I ever wanted to be. I felt very fortunate that I got to be a stay-at-home mom and, and I felt like I was living a life that I always wanted. It was comfortable and it was safe and it was secure and I didn't need anything more. I was very happy with what I had. But I as my kids were getting older, um, I started feeling and experiencing these thoughts of um, there might be something more. And I didn't know what that was because what I had, I couldn't imagine having anything better or having anything more. I couldn't imagine feeling any more fulfilled than I already felt. I stumbled up, up, upon some teachings um, from a life coach. And as I was listening to these things, I started receiving um, I had been praying for some guidance in how to mend some relationships in my life. And I wanted to 
I wanted to experience more love for some certain people in my life. And I was praying and praying that I could experience this and I could create this love. And it, nothing was really changing. But I started to realize that Heavenly Father was in my story. He was just guiding me to some tools that I didn't know existed. He was guiding me to teachers that I didn't know were out there. And I slowly began to learn how to heal and mend these relationships through these coaching tools. And as I experienced this, I remember having a profound impression that this was my next move. My next move in life was to become certified as a life coach. And I thought that that was the craziest thing I'd ever heard. <laughs> First of all, the name life coach, I think, is kind of comical. There's got to be a different name for it. And second of all, I was like, I'm not looking for anything. I'm very happy home with my children. And of course, they were all in school. Um, my husband has got a pretty flexible work schedule. We're able to go and play when we want to. And I want to be able to go with him and do all the things that, that we enjoy doing as a family. We have a pretty active lifestyle, enjoying all things Idaho. And, but the impression kept coming. And, and the thoughts that I was receiving was, this is, you, this is the way to experience Christ-like love in your life. And these tools need to be brought out into the world. And, and you need to be part of it. And I, being my stubborn self, was like, yeah, it's okay. Like somebody, it's fine. Like I don't need to do this, but the impressions kept coming. So my path started to change. And where I felt very comfortable, I suddenly became very uncomfortable. I found myself... Um, in classes and traveling to be in classes and doing things that I had never done before. And all the while praying to my Heavenly Father that I would find the right course and I would find the right path and I would be in the right places that I needed to be because this is not what I was looking for, but you have led me here, so I'm trusting that you'll help me along the way. Now something interesting happened while I was on this journey. I, um, I learned, just like I told you how I experienced how to create more love and mend those relationships that I was struggling with in my life, the tools that I had learned there were um, very beneficial for me in learning how to create other things in my life. Um, I learned that our thoughts about our circumstances in our lives create our feelings. And our feelings result in our actions because everything we do in our life we do or we don't do because of how we feel about something. And so if our thoughts are creating our feelings, it becomes very important to be aware of what you're thinking because whatever you're thinking results in how you feel and we do everything in our life because of how we feel. So it becomes really important to connect those pieces. And all of the results in our life happen as a, because of the actions that we take in our life. So they just become connected. Our thoughts to our feelings to our actions to the results we get are very fluid. They flow back and forth. And I started to see that I could create so many things in my life. And with 
though that knowledge also then became, well, if I can create these things, where does God fit in this story? Like, if I can do this, do I really need God? Do I really need Heavenly Mother? Do I really need the Savior in my story? If I can actually move forward in my life, not that I was questioning whether or not I wanted them to be there, but I was starting to question, um, had, I, had I really been using them before or was it really just myself creating these results that I've gotten in my life? So I noticed that I kind of withdrew a little bit. I kind of didn't pray. I mean, I was praying, but it wasn't quite as fervent. It wasn't quite as sincere. Um, I was doing all the things, but it just felt a little, I just felt like I was going about things on my own. Like, yeah, I can do this. I can do all these things on my own. I can start a business. I know how to change and create my thoughts so that I can do the things that I want to do. And I was doing it. I was doing it. Um, I, I started coaching. I was getting clients. And I felt like I was headed in the right direction. And in, those, in that story of that phase of my life, I, um, I had failures and I had some successes and I've learned a lot of things. And things changed along the way too. I started, I, would, I had a specific um, group of people that I was working with as a coach. And then I changed a little bit. And when I made the decision to work with that group of people, it felt like the right decision. And so I went with it. And then after a while, something else felt right. So I was like, okay, I'll go over here. And that felt right. And then, um, as they mentioned, I run a directory for coaches who are members of the church. So if people are looking for a life coach who's a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, they can go to my directory to find a coach. And when I, when I came into that, all of a sudden, everything that I had done before had felt like the right move, but now it kind of felt like home. And I have used that experience many times in our life because Heavenly Father leads us. And, um, and Sister Burke and I were talking about this earlier. Like, It's so interesting how the pieces work in our life. We can start doing one thing, and, and it's the... And it's right for the moment. But then that doesn't mean that we're going to be doing that forever. It's just a stepping stone in, in our progression. And I kind of like to look at it as like, there's a little gift that we get to learn from each experience in our life. It's like Heavenly Father's like, I'm going to lead you to this point because you're going to learn something about you while you're doing this experience, while you're having this experience. It's like we get to unwrap a little present, a little gift here. And then he's gonna, and then it's gonna lead us to something else and we're gonna discover something about ourselves there. And then he's gonna lead us someplace else. And before we know it, we have, like our life looks completely different. My life looks completely different now than it did six years ago, where I at that time was completely fulfilled and I had no idea why Heavenly Father was guiding me down the path that he did. And I can see now it's because he had so much more for me. He had so much more happiness and joy and fulfillment to offer me. And so my story is about somebody who, yes, I experimented in doing some of these things on my own. Like, I can do this. We can all live life. We can all have a happy life 
without relying on our Heavenly Father and our Savior. And I know that that will shock some of you for saying that. I know that that is possible. But I am here to tell you that we can have so much more when we bring the Savior and when we bring our Heavenly Father into our story. Our lives can be great without them. They can be unimaginable with them. And that is part of my story that I hold very dear to, um, to my heart because I have seen the difference and I can feel the difference when I let them enter in. So um, part of that story of this person who has moved a little bit from being the, the stay-at-home mom to having a professional life, which is still kind of hard for me to, I don't really think of myself as having a professional life and um, a career. Um, my heart is with I don't know, for some reason, I still just resonate more with saying that I'm a mom, but I do very much have this part of my life where I am working and, and, I'm, and I guess maybe it's because I love it so much that I don't really think of it as work. But I have um, seen what I call um, the he that, that we will prove them here with cycle. I know that's a little bit of a tongue twister, but in Abraham 325, it says, we will prove them here with. And I... I think sometimes we think that we are here and we're here. We think we're here to kind of prove ourselves. We're here to show God that we are worthy and that we are, um, that we're going to pass the tests. And I actually think that we are here so he can prove to us that we're amazing, that we have so much inside of us to offer and to give. And so I, I like to think of it as the, he's going to prove to us, he, we, are, we will prove them, the we will prove them here with cycle. And I want to tell you a little bit what I think about this cycle, what this cycle is. So there's three components to this cycle. And I want you to think about your life and maybe see where you are in this moment in this cycle. And for all of us, this cycle I think is happening perpetually every day on a small scale, but I also think it's happening on a much bigger scale all the time in, in bigger areas in our life. So the first component of this cycle is the creator. It's our heavenly mother and our heavenly father, the savior. They are all powerful. They are all knowing. In Alma 40 verse five, it says it mattereth not for God knoweth all things. They're intentional. They created everything spiritually before it was created physically. Um, they're prepared. They plan. They are our creators. Okay, so that's the first component. The second component is the creation. That's me. That's you. We are their work and their glory. Their work and their glory is to bring to pass the immortality and the eternal life of man. Their work, in essence, is to help us to become like them, to live like them, to love like them, because God is love. And they know that for us to have the most happiness on this earth is for us to be like them. They just want us to be happy. They want to, and in helping us be happy, they are, they're proving who we are to us. Okay, so that is the second component. I've spent a lot of time out in the world, in, in nature. 
I have been to very diverse places from deserts to high mountains, down rivers, and um, my husband's kind of an adventure at heart and I'm lucky enough to get to tag along sometimes when I'm worthy for the, when I'm capable to, the, um, to what they're doing. But I've seen some pretty beautiful things. And the thing that always amazes me is that we are part of that workmanship. We are part of God's creation. And as we look to the environment around us and we see the beauty that is so visible to us, sometimes we don't see his workmanship in us. We lose sight of who we are. But in Moses 7.32, it says, we are the workmanship of their hands. And I do truly believe that it isn't about us trying to prove anything to them. It's about them trying to prove to us. And if you listen to the prophets of old, they are saying the same thing. Nephi says, I sing unto the Lord for he hath done excellent things. Those excellent things are you and me. They are the people that are around us. And Moses um, you know, wants, asks us in, in chapter one to see ourself through God's eyes, see his creations through his eyes. The problem is that you and I are all human and it's hard for us to see past our humanity. It's hard for us not to judge the things that we do and the mistakes that we make. And we're all gonna make mistakes. That's why you're here. Heavenly Father needs us to make mistakes because it's in the making of those mistakes that we become stronger. We become wiser. We become more resilient. And, but when we dwell on those mistakes, we get frozen in our tracks. And when we get frozen in our tracks, we don't complete the cycle. We don't make it to the third component of the cycle, which is the create, the part where we get to create. Because when we are fearful, when we look to ourselves and when we judge who we are and we think that we can't do something or we think that we're weak or we think that we can't do it as good as somebody else, we get frozen and we choose not to create those things. But that is part of the process is for us to create. When we believe in our greatness, when we can see ourselves as God sees us, when we let him and Heavenly Mother prove to us our greatness, then we kind of are able to get out of our own way and create, which is that third component. So we have the creator, we have the creation, and we have create. And I think they just go in a cycle. This is how I think it works. So I'm going to, I'm going to show you, I'm going to tell you, explain a little bit how this works by explaining a little bit into my story. I start, Heavenly Father created me, right? And within me, so if we think about some of the things that he's created, he's created trees and he's created flowers. And if you look at things in nature, flowers lean in, like they have a desire to lean towards the sun. Water has a desire to flow downhill. He, Heavenly Father, has created those things. He's created me and I have within me desires. I started noticing a desire to become a coach, to, to take some different steps in my life. I didn't know, I, it was hard for me to grasp onto that desire, but I started recognizing that that desire came from God because he made me just like he made the flowers and the trees and they have desires that are innate and natural to them. 
So I think we have the creator who creates us. And when we, when he, we recognize that we are created by him and the desires that we have within us are from him, then we naturally want to take part in that. And so we, in completing that cycle, start to create things ourselves. So I took some steps. I started creating a business. I started doing the things that I needed to do to create. And in doing that, I needed help. I wanted guidance. I wanted wisdom. So I leaned in to Heavenly Father and asked for more. And in asking for more knowledge, He showed to me parts of me that I didn't know were there. He showed me parts of his creation, parts of me that I didn't know. And as I found those parts of me that I didn't know about, gifts that I didn't know that I had, um, things that I needed to learn about myself, I was able to create more things. And as I created more things, I leaned into my Heavenly Father. And it's just this cycle. And as we work in completing that cycle, in small ways and big ways, we create so much more with our lives than we could have ever done without our Heavenly Father and without divine guidance. I think we get confused sometimes. I think we think that if I'm doing the things that Heavenly Father wants me to do, that it's going to be easy, that it's going to be comfortable, that, you know, if I'm not doing, if I'm doing this and it feels uncomfortable, or if I feel fear, kind of like I said before, then I, it must not be right. And that's not true. Comfort is a nice thing, but comfort doesn't get us anywhere. In order to make changes in our life, to take steps, to make choices, to, to build businesses, to graduate from college, in order to do any of those things, we have to be willing to feel uncomfortable. And it's not always fun, but it's in that discomfort that great things can be brought to pass. So... Um, I think, like I said, these, are, these can be small cycles. These are things that can take place on a daily basis. Um, I know in my life, there's small ways that I participate in that, you know, in him trying to prove to me who I am. You know, he'll give me a small prompting that maybe I should check in on this person today. It might be somebody in, professional, in my professional life. It might be somebody in my personal life. But check in with them. And as I create a, a, a point of connection with them, there's a relationship that's strengthened and they lean into the Lord and I lean into the Lord more and we just get to participate in that cycle. And those things are happening on a big scale too as we do the big things in our life, as we make choices about um, you know, what we're going to do for a profession, what we're going to do for the rest of our lives. So part of that story for me was I did, I went to school, I got certified as a life coach. It was about a year and a half process. I um, did all the things to start a business. And I said earlier, like those, that it wasn't a straight line. I kind of went, I made, I moved here for, I, you know, I did things over here for a minute and then I felt like I needed to switch. And then I needed to do that. And as I followed those promptings, it's led me to where I am today, which is where I, I feel very much at home. And so I encourage you to look for those feelings. Yes, things feel uncomfortable, but pay attention to your own intuition and it will guide you. Um, so in all of my story is an underlying story that emerged for me. And it's one that um, 
that I have thought a lot about. And it is why I, um, and, and it was one of the things that they asked actually for me to share today, is why I choose to stay. Yes, in all of my faith, choosing experiences, because I did have to make some choices. If I, you know, I, as I started to see that I could create things on my own, I had to, I started to question actually quite a few things about my faith. And um, it was interesting to me because I thought, Heavenly Father has led me to this place, but yet this place is what has taught me to ask questions. Um, as part of my profession as a coach, I have to be pretty good at asking people questions so that they can kind of discover the things inside of them that are holding them back. And in learning to ask good questions, I've asked a lot of questions, and some of them have brought up a lot of doubt in my mind about a lot of things, um, spiritually and doctrinally. And I have As I pondered about that, I thought, why would Heavenly Father lead me to this place that would lead me to ask these questions? Why would He lead me to a place that might plant some seeds of doubt? And then I realized Heavenly Father needs me to do that. And He's not afraid of me doing that. He's not afraid of me asking questions. He's not afraid of me having doubts. He's not afraid of any of these things because He knows it's just going to make me stronger and more resilient. I used to believe that I was a person who was just blessed with faith, that I was a person who um, was blessed with a non-doubting, non-doubting belief. And um, that carried me for 40 years of my life. And I was, I felt very blessed with that. But now in this phase of my life, I recognize as I have seen that there are so many things that I can create on my own, um, as I have seen that there are questions that I have that are not always going to be answered um, in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I've seen that I um, get to choose. I get to choose whether or not I'm going to believe. Because remember what I talked about, that the things we think lead to our feelings, and our feelings lead to our actions, and our actions lead to our result. And the thought, the things that we think are a choice, which means I get to choose if I'm going to believe. And we might not always, it might not always just, we might, we might not just find ourselves always wanting to believe something. We might, we might question, we might want to, um, we might have doubts and that's okay, but I choose to believe because I have seen what happens in my life when I make that choice. So why I stay is two part. It's part cultural and it's part doctrinal. I um, was raised in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and I am comfortable here. It's a place of, um, it feels nostalgic in some ways. It feels safe. It feels familiar. Um, it's where my family is. So partly that's why I stay, is for the cultural side of it. Also, um, as parents, I have not seen any other programs out in the world that um, could help me raise strong, moral children than in the community of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I think the community... I was with somebody... Um, 
with some colleagues in Hawaii last week, and one of them said to me, she wasn't, she's not a member of the church, and she said, it's very interesting to me to watch people within your church. There's a community there that I have never seen anywhere else. And yeah, that community is part of why I stay. The other part of why I stay um, has everything to do with all that I've been talking about today. I believe that as part of the restoration um, of Jesus Christ, of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, part of that restoration was the restoration of the true nature of Heavenly Father and of God. And I think we lost in history his true nature. Somehow we weaved this thread of um, he's a fearful God. He's somebody we should fear, somebody who is not always working in our favor. And I don't believe that to be true. And I think that here in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we have the most accurate representation and we're continuing to restore the most accurate representation because that's not complete. We're still working on finding out his true nature. We have the most accurate representation of God and that God doesn't just include a heavenly father, but it also includes a heavenly mother. And those are not things that we find in doctrines of other churches. The knowledge of who heavenly father truly is, the knowledge of, of um, his plan of happiness the knowledge that he is always working in my favor has been such an influential part in my life as I have been able to trust in him and rely on him and know that he is always cheering me on and is helping me out. Now, the part of my story um, that I hold most dear is... Um, and I've shared many of those pieces with you, but they are the experiences in my life that have solidified in my heart a testimony of their Savior, Jesus Christ. I know that He lives. I know that He loves me. I know that I have a Heavenly Father and a Heavenly Mother who love me and are part of my story. I know that when I invite them into my life and to my story, things are far more amazing and grand that they could have ever been on my own because I know I can do it on my own but it's so much better with them I believe that we have a living prophet on the earth today who leads and guides us and um, is part of Heavenly Father's plan to help us live the best life that we can possibly live here on this earth I know that we are eternal beings, that we are here to become like God. We are here to experience joy and that they are here and always with us to help us see who we are. And I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ, amen.